You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 194 with Aaron Barry. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited for this series. It's going to be a four-part series, and I'm interviewing two moms. So today and next week will be with Aaron Barry. And then the following two weeks will be with Shannon Carpenter. And I wanted to interview two different moms just to give you guys different ideas, different perspectives on homeschooling. I know with COVID, we all kind of got thrown into homeschooling and it wasn't really by choice. It wasn't our curriculum that we picked and, um, you know, did all this, you know, research on what we wanted to do. We kind of just had to do our best. And so I know that there's people to been talking about, you know, if they send their kids to private school, they don't want to be paying all this money. If there's a possibility that we will have to keep our kids home, that they may want to homeschool or people don't want to send their kids to school with masks. And they're like, maybe I'm going to homeschool. Or maybe you're just kind of thinking, you know what? I don't really know how this is all going to look. And are they going to go some days, half days, all this kind of stuff. And I rather have control over the timing and all that. And let's do homeschooling. So I really just wanted to give you guys this information so you can make the best decision. Um, this is why I'm airing it um, last week of June and in July um, to catch all the people, especially here in Tennessee. We start school early August so that this gives you some idea of um, homeschooling and if you want to do it or not. And even if you guys don't choose to do homeschooling, just the fact that we could get thrown into quarantine again. And I think this will give you some I don't know, tools and um, some ideas on how to homeschool um, in regards to routine and schedules and all that kind of stuff. So please share this with your friends. You know, I just feel like so many moms are kind of in the same boat and they're just trying to figure out, is this the direction we want to go? So if you have moms that are kind of been thinking about it or they don't want to send their kids or they're not 100% sure, please share this um, series with them. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, So today we're just really going to start with Aaron and we're just going to talk about um, knowing the rules for each state, you know, because each state is different on how you homeschool as well as how do you pick a curriculum um, for the ages of your kids and the grade levels, as well as, you know, just the fears that you have when you think about homeschooling, like, are your kids going to be weird? Um, Are they going to socialize with other kids and that kind of stuff? And also the challenges you might run up against. So Aaron kind of goes through all of that and more on this episode. Um, So I hope you guys really enjoy it. I just hope it opens your eyes to if this is a path that you might want to take. It may not be, but I figured I wanted to give you guys this information so that you can make a better decision. Okay. So before we go to the show, I always like to do my favorite things segment. And I don't know about you guys, um, but I love having color, especially in the summer, like having a tan. Um, but I don't like worrying about skin cancer and sunspots and aging spots. And so the days of me just laying out and not having sunscreen are well over. Um, it's because I don't always want to have to worry about going to the dermatologist and her telling me, what spots I have on my body that are a little bit of a concern. So I know some of you are probably shaking your head going, yes, I totally agree. And also I've noticed too that my legs do not get color. Um, Someone told me that like as you age, your legs really don't get tan like they used to. And I really have noticed that. Um, So this past year, I have started to hear about a product that is called self-tanning drops. And I kept thinking, what in the world are tanning drops and how does it even work? Um, so I was wanting to check them out um, just to see like, what is it about? But I, I wasn't sure about the brands that were selling it, like how clean the products are. So 
I just kind of pushed it to the side and was like, whatever. But if you guys are familiar with my show, I talk about this local company here in Franklin, Tennessee, and they're called Remiverse. And um, they sell clean products. A lot of their products don't even have a fragrance. I absolutely love it. Um, But they recently released self-tanning drops. And I cannot tell you how excited I was. Um, So what is amazing about self-tanning drops is you can control the intensity of the color. So the more drops you put in, the deeper the tan. And if you're a lighter complexion, you might just want to use fewer drops to get more of a natural glow. Um, But you can decide how many drops to put in your moisturizer. And so for me, I use Remiverse moisturizer both for my face and then an all body moisturizer. And all I have to do is put a few drops, um, you know, in each area, and then I can get the tan that I like. And so if I notice that it's not as dark as I would like, I just add more on that day. And then it takes about four to six hours um, to show up. But I absolutely love it. I feel like it's kind of foolproof because you can make it gradual. It's not just like, bam, you now are 10 shades darker and you're like, oh my gosh, people are going to be like, what were you doing? That's what I absolutely love about this. So, and the other thing that I really love, you think about liquid drops, you think that it's kind of, you're thinking it's liquid. You're thinking it's watery or oily or something like that. But this really is almost like adding another level of moisturizer. And um, it's white and their moisturizers are white. And I just love, it just feels clean and moisturizing. And I absolutely love it. So um, I'm going to include the ingredients in the show notes. So if you want to take a look at that, just to make sure you feel good with what um, they are putting in the products. Um, It is manufactured here in Franklin, Tennessee with um, U.S. sourced ingredients. And the products are paraben-free, oil-free, and they are not tested on animals. So I just wanted to uh, specify that for you guys. But all of the links that I talk about with my favorite products are in my show notes. But you can also subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show. That way you get it in your inbox every week. So if you want to do that, all you have to do is go over to mominspiredshow.com, enter your name, and email. So that way it's all at your fingertips. You don't have to ever go looking for my favorite things again, and you will be all set. All right, you guys, let's go to the show. Hey, Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay. So in the past, I always loved asking my guests where their favorite vacation spot has been um, and why, because I'm a travel agent. I just like asking people about vacations. Um, But since COVID happened, I've changed things up a little bit. And I want to ask my guests, once we're able to travel again, where is the place that you really want to go to? And it can be with or without kids. I want to go to Canada. My family is all in Alberta. And so I am just really missing not being able to see them. So I would want to go to Calgary, Alberta. Awesome. Yeah, it has been hard. You know, my family's from Michigan and so we're going um, in July. So I'm really excited um, to go see them. And it's been it's so even though I don't see them all the time, I think too, just knowing you can't see them makes things like harder. You know, it's, it's not as easy, you know, thinking like you can't just decide to go take a trip and go visit. So do you hope to see them this summer or do you think you'll have to wait? I think I'll probably have to wait. It'll probably be closer to the fall. Okay. Yeah. Is Canada even open for, um, <laughs> Americans to go over there? I just realized that. You know what? I don't even know. I, yeah. I it hasn't been. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. So it's like, it's interesting, you know, because people might, in the past have said exotic places or stuff like that. And now people, you know, they might be picking places that they can go see their family. So it's just, it's been interesting what COVID has done and changed 
um, a lot of things. So, um, which is why I'm bringing you on the show um, to talk all about homeschooling. So um, how about we jump into the show and you share with us your name, where you live and how many kids you have. All right. I am Erin Berry. I live in Frederick, Maryland, which is just outside of D.C., and I have three children, but they are all young adult children. Mm. How old are they? Uh, my youngest is 22. Then that's Piers. I have uh, another son. So Piers is the son, 22, a 25-year-old son, Brooks, and a 28-year-old married daughter, Lauren. Awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. And you said you were from Tennessee or you lived here. Is that right? Yes. Well, yeah. I'm Canada, married an American, and okay. we in Nashville for 17 years. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a great place. So um, it's hard to move away. Um, but do you love Maryland? Um, I really, really do enjoy Maryland, but I could see us ending up in Tennessee again someday. Yeah, yeah, it is a great place. So Erin, before we jump into the show, though, how about you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, I'm uh, today an educational consultant. And I'm a speaker, a writer, and work predominantly with students that are homeschooled, although I do a lot of work with parents and children of students in both public and private school. I started homeschooling about 22 years ago myself with my kids and had an educational background and just love it and love working with families. And so that's what I've devoted my time to now is just really helping parents figure out the best way to educate their children. Yes. And this is why I wanted you to come on the show. Um, I, th I feel like with everything going on, I feel like so many people are talking about homeschool more than ever. You know, people who never talked about homeschooling or even had a desire to homeschool, you know, this is now becoming a possible reality for people. Um, you know, as school starts to approach and people are talking about that there might be half days and different schedules, and that just starts to overwhelm parents, um, especially parents that both work. So some people are just considering homeschooling because then that way they have control of the timing of everything. So I wanted to cover some general questions before we dive into more specific ones in the next episode. Um, so my first question to you is, how do you even start to homeschool? Okay. So interestingly, education is unique for each state. And of course, if you're living abroad for your country. Um, so if you, you need to find the rules for your state, and so a great resource is hslda.com or no .org and they you can click on there find your state and find the rules or just go to sometimes i think it's like i'm from maryland so you go to like maryland.com or something and and just find your rules and the reason that matters is because it is very different some states you have to apply, you know, send in a form and there are certain things you have to meet like educational standards or you have to meet with somebody, some kind of overseer if it's the state or umbrella school or etc. And some states have little to no regulations. Then also, of course, your state will have specific uh, what you, graduation requirements. So you really want to find that out first. So that's step number one. Then after that, you want to just kind of decide what your goals are, kind of maybe look at what your educational philosophy is, because that will slightly influence how you pick curriculum, how you schedule your time. 
And, um, and I did forget to say the very first thing would honestly be to pray about it. Is yeah. this the right move for your family? And the mm. reason I say that too is I know things are changing. Now I'm a huge advocate for homeschooling. So if you have the slightest desire, I'm going to tell you to homeschool kind of deal. If you ask me, I'm going to move into that direction, but I don't want people to just panic. I don't think that's wisdom. So I would say, pray first, decide why you want to do this. And then if you do go to HSLDA, begin to think about what your style might be, do a little research on the different methods and so on, and then begin looking at curriculum. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I'm glad that you said that because, you know, I don't, (laughs) I don't want everybody to panic and be like, ah, this is what we got to do. At the same time, it is overwhelming. I think that in itself probably keeps a lot of people from doing homeschooling because it just seems like there's a lot of information to have to consider and kind of like what you're saying, state by state, there's different rules. Um, So this leads me into the next question of what are the different types of methods of homeschooling? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to answer that. But if I can just say, it feels overwhelming because you don't, it's just a new learning curve, but it actually isn't. And you have a lot more control over your schedule and you have time to make these decisions. So just one thing to keep in mind, it's not like you have to start the year with all your ducks in a row and stick to that. Mm. There is a place for growing and learning and finding what your family's style is, what your family's needs are, and you can actually ease into it. So I I just want to put that out there. But then now just to speak to your question about a couple of the, I'll just speak to a couple of the main methods. And let me say this too. You can, you can be a purist, you know, stick with one method and, and just do that. You can have a little bit of eclectic, you know, pull different pieces. And really the methods or philosophies, uh, what they really do is kind of answer these questions. How does this method view the child? How does this method view the teacher? And how do they define or measure education? So those are kind of the questions that you're looking when you look at the methods Those are the kind of questions you're looking to answer. So this is very brief, but I'll just tell you some of the top four. So the first I want to say is um, traditional or modern education. That's what we do in the classroom in the schools now. And it's kind of funny that we call it traditional because truthfully, it's one of the newer uh, philosophies. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's textbook, worksheet. Uh, The goal is often retention Um, you know, more that we give you information and you tell us what we've told you back. Okay. That's sort of the traditional one. And sometimes it's the more stressful one to do at home because it's set up for the classroom. Then there is a classical, you'll hear the classical model and the classical model has been around since the middle ages. And um, in a classical situation, you'll hear about the trivium. And that's kind of the path to learning. So they talk about grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. And the point is that they believe that all learning goes through those three paths, so to speak. And, um, and it also is aligned with the child's development. So you'll see a lot of, like, they're very uh, memory work heavy at the beginning because a child's brain just, you know, they just are like sponges and take in information. 
And then as they grow, they work on what we call the dialectic, which is the understanding, answering why, and eventually to rhetoric where a person can now teach what they've learned and also add to it and put their own piece with it. uh, A classical education tends to be heavier in academics. It can be somewhat rigorous, um, but what they do great is they are wonderful at developing critical thinking. Then Charlotte Mason is sort of similar. I would say classical and Charlotte are similar. The difference with Charlotte Mason is that, so in a classical education, you give the information, you're kind of leading as a teacher, I guess, and um, your focus is virtue and beauty. Whereas in Charlotte Mason, they tend to, it's a little bit more student-led. And they're helping the child, they're sort of undergirding the child to sort of discover what feeds them. They're really, both of those philosophies are heavy in literature. Um, But like I said, I think that the Charlotte Mason's a little bit more child-centered. Classicals, well, honestly, a traditional Christian classical is God-centered. Yeah. And then unschooling, which um, is much, much more child-led and kind of follows their interests. Mm. Um, And, you know, all of them, but even an unschooling can, you can still be quite academic, um, but it's just kind of who leads. So I guess that would be a basic uh, explanation. I see. But one thing I want to say is, even as you're listening to those things, when you begin to look at curriculum, you'll, it's a give and take. So I found, oh, here's, I would go, oh, I love this curriculum. Oh, it happens to follow this methodology. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, you'll see a little bit of a, a partnership there. Mm. And on the other hand, you can also take pretty much any curriculum and teach it more to the methods as well. So I, as a person, a little bit eclectic, but mostly classical. I just love it. Um, But I know how to teach classically, so I can pretty much take any curriculum and adapt it to classical. So people who don't have like a teaching background and stuff like that, where do you feel like they kind of fall into? um, What um, method do you feel like? So I think if you weren't a teacher background, what I would suggest more would be find a curriculum that, to begin with, that has a heavy teacher instruction. Because mm. there are a lot of curriculums that'll say, okay, <laughs> there's some that'll even say, now say this, you oh. know. <laughs> Which is, some people you know, need that. <laughs> some people need it. Some people like it. Um, but I would find where you feel comfortable that you uh, you can do you know, follow that. And then again, as you grow these things, you'll begin to find your family's flow and your flow and your student will play into that as well. You know, um, some students don't like a lot of, um, like they like particularly, let's just say, I'll just throw this out there. If you had a child who's Asperger's, okay. Or, um, they don't like a lot of color. They like, uh, a, a more, Simple, not simple, but I guess color, less busy curriculum. Mm, Busy, yeah. Mm -hmm. You would, so you have to consider your child as well. If your child has, you know, some other learning issues, there are curriculum that will go to that bend. Mm 
So it's, it's all of those pieces that come together. But I think that part is exciting because you get to focus on how are you comfortable? How's your child comfortable? What's our lifestyle lead towards? And it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah. Well, that makes me think about just talking about the kids. Like, how do you actually determine your children's learning style, especially if they don't have special needs or something's not obvious to them that they need to, you know, work around or, you know, they've been to um, a therapist or have had help with that, you know, and you're just sitting there thinking, okay, you know, maybe you have even a five-year-old that's going to go into kindergarten. You're like, I don't even know how they do anything, you know? So (laughs) what, what is your thoughts on trying to figure that out? And, and also, you know, when you have more than one child, um, how do you do that? Yeah. So again, one of the things with homeschooling is it is a different mindset than what you're used to with modern education. So one of the first things I'm going to tell you is there is going to be a learning curve in the sense of methodology and relaxing because again, you feel this pressure. I got to get it right. Right. That's kind of what Modern education is more, we do this and first we do this here. We, you know, and you're, you're always, at least for me, kind of feeling like you're having to catch up sometimes in homeschooling, you can breathe and you need to breathe. So you, if you have a kindergartner, you find a, I would just find a curriculum that teaches them how to read. You know, I like anything with a, you know, good, strong phonics and a basic math. And I would find those two, and that would be sort of my main focus, teaching them to read, teaching them math, because they're going to use that reading skill and everything else, right? And again, there are, if it, it teaches you to read, it, it almost doesn't matter what method you use. Well, like I said, I like it to be phonics-based. I think that's your strongest. But what I'm saying is you're not going to go wrong. Your goal is the skill of reading. And the same with math. You know, this sounds funny, but I picked a math curriculum. Okay, because I am I do like color. And one year I picked this curriculum because it just had pictures of countries all over the world. It had nothing to do with math, but I just thought, oh, that's so fun <laughs> math, you know? So you just start. And if you have more than one child, a uh, couple of things to keep in mind. They would need their own reading language arts curriculum, let's say, and math curriculum. Okay. You would need that because if you have a first grader versus a fourth grader, but then as a family, you do have the option of learning things together. So you could say, okay, for history, we're going to do American history and you can scale it your, according to their ages, if, if that makes sense. So Because one of the things with education that we don't think of, and I sort of mentioned, is we do skills. It's skill-based. The content, certainly we're learning things, but the content is sort of second to the skills, if that makes sense. And I'll explain it this way. American history, for example. We've only been a country for, what, 250 years? Whatever. Um, You could not learn all of American history in one year. There's no way all of the available content. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you could study American history and do a lot of it. And that's why if your different age children, 
uh, you could easily expand or like for the older, you know, make it more and then take it in for the younger. So going back to like curriculums, how do you go about picking the right curriculum? I mean, I know that you picked it based on the countries and the color, but if you weren't doing that, (laughs) what would your suggestion be? Okay. So again, you would just start. Go look at some curriculum. You know your age level, um, your grade, and I would begin by just researching some. There are some. Um, there are some great sites. I always recommend Kathy Duffy. Mm. I'm not quite sure what if it's Kathy Duffy reviews. She reviews like every curriculum I think there's ever been. That's helpful. But you would just start looking and and pick and then go with it. And the reason I say that is people always ask, what's the best math curriculum, right? What's the best spelling curriculum? Mm -hmm. That's not the right question. The right question is, what curriculum seems to fit our family for this year? And choose that. And you know, if you get it wrong, like if you hate it, you can change. Although I will say, you don't want to make, you know, it's not that you don't can't make a habit of that, but sometimes you just, you know, you just have to stick it out and it's not the curriculum. It's kind of you adjusting to your child, let's say. But I just, when I started, Amber, there were hardly any curriculum. So the choice was not difficult. Mm. Just pick something and went with it. But I think there's a little wisdom in that. And that is, they all predominantly teach the same thing, right? Maybe a little bit of a different angle or, uh, you know, ideas. But like, if you get a second grade math, your skills are pretty much the same. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think too, like, you know, just with today, you know, being 2020, there's just so many options everywhere and people just get so overwhelmed. So um, I'm glad that you point out that for you, there wasn't as many, so that kind of made it more simple, but to really not let that, um, overwhelm you too much, you know? And, and so I like that you're saying a lot of them are similar, you know, that you're going to get the same because I think people kind of freak out about making the wrong decision and picking the wrong curriculum. Right. When the point is you and your child, the curriculum is what you is it it um, feeds you. You don't. It's not your law. Does that make sense? Right. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guide. It's like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you. So, what is your thoughts then um, on some limitations that the public education has? You know, um, because I think sometimes people that are in the school system, they're kind of like, well. Are homeschoolers really getting enough, you know? And then I think homeschoolers might be thinking, well, there's so much fluff in uh, the public education system. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. All right. So I have a ton of thoughts, but I'm going to try and keep it brief. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is the individualization, right? Um, A lot of the public education they head towards the center of the class. I used to teach school. I taught school for um, five years before I had my daughter. And then I've taught in other, uh, since in other ways, but anyway, you have to sort of head for the middle of the class. So let's just take math. Um, when I taught third grade, you know, we would have 
three weeks for, well, six weeks for review, then five weeks to introduce this topic, then three weeks to introduce that topic. And we followed that, that pattern. And then the kids, if they were ahead, oh, well, if they were behind, oh, well, um, <laughs> you know, really. And yeah. we just headed straight with that. And so there wasn't the individualization and a lot of kids got lost on both sides. One of the things I see a lot, I tutor a lot of high school, public school, high school math students. Mm. And one of the things I see, I'm serious, I have this conversation with every student I have, and they are neat kids who want to do well. And I will say, okay, let's look at what you learned today. Can What can you tell me? And they'll say, well, I took notes. Um, I think we're kind of doing this. I'm not sure, but we have a test tomorrow. And these kids are like under so much pressure to learn these facts or skills or whatever. And there's no time to process, no time to enjoy. And so I feel like we are sort of on a treadmill of education and trying to get this information in our children. But in learning is so much more than information. I mean, academic learning, that's just one part of the whole person of who you are. And um, so I think with public education, because and, and now and I'm sorry, I'm going off, but now they're trying to cover so much. It's not just academics. They're trying to teach them so many other things about life. And I just feel like they with so much, they're missing what matters. And a lot of kids are lost and they're actually coming out not with strong skills because they haven't been given the time that they need to process those skills. And again, so here's a quick example. My daughter um, struggled in math a lot. But I would take at the beginning of the year, we could do the review in a week. She, you know, because she was really good, let's say, at computation or the beginning kind of things. And then we could take longer in the areas where she struggled. Mm -hmm. And that, that sense. she yeah. did so much better. Yeah. 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 That is a good point. Um, yeah. And that's sad, you know, that you think about like, if your child is really smart or has an easier time, oh, well, and then the ones that are behind, it's kind of like, oh, well, but yeah, I mean, how can you cater to every single person? You wouldn't be able to do that in that situation. So I can see where that comes in handy. Um, and that kind of, takes me to the next question of um, what can you tell us about some of the concerns and fears that parents have, though, in regards to homeschooling? Yeah. So and I just want to say, too, because that sounds so negative. I also was a teacher and I love teachers and they bend over backwards to meet the needs of their students. Those are just some of the issues sure. that the offers. Okay, right. I just want to go down and record as that. Okay. So you said, what are their fears? Yeah. What are what? some of the concerns and fears that you find that parents have when it comes to homeschooling? Because for me, I think a lot of people think like, oh, they do need to be, we're going to talk about this in the next episode too. So I, I do want people to know that like the socialization and all that kind of stuff, but um, just being around other people and kind of following rules in the classrooms. Now I know some people would probably say, we don't need to do that. Like, hello. Um, so I, you know, I think it's hard. It's kind of like unlearning certain things that we have, you know, the whole, I just did a black lives matter, um, 
conversation um, with a guest and just kind of talking about that stuff and, and realizing too, like how you have to unlearn things. Well, with school, right? It's like you learn a certain way. And so you think that is the right way and that we all need to learn this way, right? So it, it's hard for your brain to go, yeah, but Okay, so if they don't go to school, they're not going to learn how to sit at a desk and <laughs> listen to the teacher. And where some people would be like, exactly, I don't want my child to learn how to sit at a desk and listen to a teacher. And I want my child to be an entrepreneur and not go to college because college won't exist then. I mean, I'm just saying like, it's all over the board, right? Like with how um, like your thoughts and all that kind of stuff. So I think there is a fear that people come away from what they're used to, what um, their friends do. And um, so what are those concerns and fears that you come across with parents and to kind of just help the listeners if they're, you know, feeling those same things? Yeah. And I would say the number one fear is the fear that I'm not enough or I won't, I will harm my children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and I just want to say, you know, and uh, fathers homeschool as well, obviously, and families and so on. But a mother's heart, I think a mother in general, we just carry the hearts of our children. We love them so much. And I mean, you know, I cry over, I cry over the dumbest things when it comes to my kids, honestly, where I think I failed them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a mom, that's a mom, um, character trait right there. <laughs> and, you know, and, but I think it's that fear. And I do want to say, Amber, I did write a book on, yes, you can homeschool the terrified parents companion to homeschool success. And I wrote it because I've spoken for the last 10 years at homeschool conferences, and it really addresses the questions that I would get all the time. Number one, will they be weird? Yeah, probably, but they would have been weird anyway. <laughs> Number two, can <laughs> I do this? Yes, you can, but I don't know everything. You don't have to know everything. You grow with your child. Um, I get, well, will they get into college? Yes, they get into college. Matter of fact, many colleges pursue homeschooled students because of the level of learning that they've, they, the majority have, right? There's always anomalies sure. on everything. Um, so I think, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, it's not what we're used to. You have to unlearn that this is how I learned. And so, because that's what we've always done, it's the right way, but it, it is not. And so it's, it's just being willing to venture out into those possibilities and then with confidence and know, you know, I think another big piece that comes from a modern philosophy, and that is that you can't be wrong, you can't make mistakes. What's beautiful about homeschooling is you can learn alongside with your children. They can see you learning. They can see you make mistakes and see you overcome those mistakes. You know, some of our best learning comes from mistakes. So I, I would say those are the fears that parents have. But I just want to tell you, parents actually are outstanding educators and non teacher parents. Do you know, statistically, there's no advantage to being a teacher in homeschooling, oh, which wow. I, yeah, it's fascinating. And matter of fact, sometimes I think it could be a disadvantage because mm -hmm. we're more grained into that um, modern model. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so Aaron, we're almost at the end of the show, and I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, what are some of the challenges um, that you face as a homeschooling parent? So I know we just talked about how we can do it, um, but what would you want to prepare people so that they're not just jumping in and thinking it's going to be rainbows and unicorns, you know, and like so magical? Um, yeah. What are what are some realistic things that people probably will run up against? Yeah. Okay. Well. There's the, uh, can be the issue of authority. You know, now you're taking a role with your children that, I mean, you're parenting alongside, but you know, it's establishing, no, I'm your teacher and now you're responding to me in that way. Um, there can be issues with a, you know, a student and they're struggling with, uh, material mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, you have to, some long suffering there. Um, attitudes, which you have anyway, but you just would have, you know, you sometimes it seems like those attitudes lay dormant because we send them off, you know, but you're going to be faced with their personality and your personality. And there's some relational dynamics. Sometimes the relational dynamics between siblings as well. Uh, so, you know, and then ultimately it is, you are taking on this responsibility. And so, you know, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it well. So you can't yeah. just school. pressure there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, I, it isn't pressure, but I don't want people to yeah. think, you know, oh, just stick them in their room and they're going to be fine. <laughs> you, you mean, are, you mean yeah. you don't, they don't just watch TV and play video games and you're like, hope for the best. <laughs> and I will say that is another thing that you would, uh, uh, just an FYI, is you have to, um, monitor, like make sure that that social media, that's just an issue with parenting today. That's, you gotta be on it. Yeah. But in general, not even with homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Erin. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, and I really am looking forward to having you back on for next week, where we're going to jump into a lot more specific things like organizing your time, um, the importance of routines and schedules, as well as goals and what is the parent's role, what is the student role. So um, you guys make sure to tune in next week. You won't want to miss this. So thanks again, Erin, for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's been awesome. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.